at verse 5. <laughs> Beloved, thou doest faithful whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. So the theme for tonight or our subject is hospitality for traveling preachers. Or in other words, the church's ministry of hospitality. So what does the phrase to the brethren and strangers in verse 5 mean? Well, Gaius is known for caring for traveling preachers. And we call them today missionaries and evangelists. These travelers are dependent on the hospitality of men like Gaius, you know, for things like food and shelter as they're going about the Lord's work and doing what God has called them to do. In verse 5, he says, Whatsoever thou doest to the brethren, brethren refers to traveling preachers that he knew. And he took it a step further and even cared for strangers, which were traveling preachers whom he did not know. And he was commended by the Apostle Paul. He said, whatever you do, you're doing it faithfully. And so um, what a great commendation to get from the Apostle Paul. And he's saying that you're faithful in what you're doing. And he's commending him for that. And you know, that's all God expects from us. That's all he wants from this church. He just wants us to be faithful. He, he, he requires faithfulness. God does not require success. And anyhow, what is success according to this book? Success for the church is faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And that's all we are. We're stewards. We're caretakers. We are taking care of something that God has entrusted to us. And in this sense, we're taking care of the church. Not the building necessarily, but that too. But the church, God's people, and what the church is. The church in these last days, this is God's plan. This is God's program for saving the lost and discipling believers. It's the church. And part of the local church ministry uh, in this day, in the first century, and, and then also today in the 21st century, are these traveling preachers whom God calls to either go about as an evangelist, strengthening churches, or whom God calls to be missionary evangelists, to go maybe to a specific people in this country or to go uh, over the seas to another country. And so that's a part of the whole big picture of the gospel ministry. And this guy here, Gaius, what he was doing, he was taking care of these preachers when they came through his area, and he said he was faithful in doing it. So let's just be faithful to where God has put us. God's put us here. And what we're doing is no less important than what this man was doing in Asia, which is modern-day Turkey. What we're doing here is just as important. Let's be faithful to whoever God brings our way. That's what I'm saying tonight. In other words, we need to have a ministry of hospitality in this church. We kind of have it, but I'm talking about a specified ministry to traveling preachers. We're starting one tonight. Okay, We're organizing it right now. In this Bible study. Here's what not to do. 
when you're hosting a traveling preacher. I know a good bit about this because this is kind of one of the things that I did when I was on staff at the previous church. This is what not to do with a traveling preacher. And people have done this to me. Uh, Do not put a traveling preacher up in your teenage daughter's room. (laughs) You know, with pink everywhere and posters of Justin Bieber or whatever on the wall. People have actually put preachers up in a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on a little twin bed, you know, or full bed or whatever. We don't want to do that with God's ministers. That's that's not comfortable. It's not that's not good at all. You don't want a preacher in a in a house with little kids running around and and stuff like that. And in any and in any way, you really don't want to be messing up kind of the the flow of a house. It's just kind of awkward depending on who it is. To put an, an older man into a house with a younger family, um, Beth and I did that recently, and we won't do it again. It wasn't comfortable for them, and it wasn't comfortable for us. They were clipping their toenails in the living room. My goodness, don't do that. Why would you do that? I don't know. I would never do that. I just, I was just laughing. I was like, this must be a joke or something. I'm just standing there in the kitchen. I'm hearing... You know that? And I'm just thinking, what's going on? But they weren't super comfortable... And we definitely weren't either. So I told Beth, that won't happen again. If it's like a, a, a younger family that we're kind of friends with in the ministry, yes, we'll have them stay there. Um, but at any rate. So don't do that. If we have a prophet's chamber, which we don't, but many churches do and they're a great idea, uh, we would not keep it like the Meg's Motel. We would keep a, <laughs> we would keep a nice room Keep it tidy, keep it clean, and we want to treat our guests like their family. That's hospitality. Treat a stranger like their family. And uh, you know, hospitality, we're going to look at it in just a minute, but it literally means pursuing love of strangers. That's hospitality. Two words, love and strangers, are put together and make hospitality. So literally, the Bible tells us to show love to strangers, and in this context, it's talking about preachers that we don't know. Show them love. What is love? It's not just, oh, I hope you do all right, you know, take care of yourself and, you know, hope you find somewhere to sleep tonight. No, love is an action word. Love is, let me take care of you. Let me put you up in a comfortable place, a place that I would be comfortable if I was staying in a town that I didn't know. And let me take care of you, just like, you know, you were the Lord visiting. And then please don't ignore traveling ministers when they come in. We're going to have one this, this Sunday morning, Tim Lapish. But we know him, so he's a brethren. Uh, And then two Sundays from now, during the evening, we're going to have Jerry Myers. He's coming back. So we we know him, but we're going to have him here. When they come in the building, don't ignore them. In other words, you know, like me and Adam, we talk all the time. But if somebody were to come into the building, and me and Brother Adam were just standing over there talking, and here's this visiting preacher, or here's a guest just coming to our church for the first time, and me and Adam are just chatting about whatever, just kind of cutting up and stuff and ignoring those people, you guys should say, hey, you're the pastor. You're the deacon of the church. Where is this given to hospitality thing that's supposed to be a requirement for leaders in the church? But listen, don't just wait for me to do it. What we need is friendly people. Friendly. If you love people, does anybody here love people? <laughs> I mean, seriously, you're, you love people. Listen, I'm an introvert. I try to hide from people. It, it takes effort. It takes work for me to, to do this. But I do I, because I love souls. 
But if you're a people person and you love people, you're perfect for this ministry. And uh, so we want to acknowledge the guests when they come in. Uh, don't want to ignore them. And then don't, at least these are all things that I've seen, okay, or else I've done myself. Do not gripe or complain to a visiting preacher. Don't do it. Don't gripe about the church. Don't gripe and complain about the weather. Don't gripe about the preacher. I hope you don't do that. Um, Don't do that when they come here. They need lifted up. They need encouraged too. And then plus, you you just don't want to do that. It's just some people have an Eeyore syndrome. You know who Eeyore is from Winnie the Pooh? They're just, I don't know. Nothing's going to work out. It's probably going to rain by the time we leave. Probably going to get rained on when I'm walking out to the to the car in the parking lot, you know. And some people are like that, man. And you don't want to do that to a, to a visiting preacher um, or his wife or their family. We want to be faith-filled people, right? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? Um, I'll tell you just one time I griped and complained, and it fixed me, I think. I was talking to evangelist Sam Gipp. That man has been going around the country his entire adult life. And he started his ministry. He was down in Pensacola, Florida, working construction. He fell backwards into an elevator shaft. The fancy beach houses down there, they almost all of them have elevators. And this, you know, before you install the elevator, it's just a shaft, and they throw all the, the construction debris in there. And uh, you've heard me, some of you heard me give this before, but he fell into one of those things backwards, broke his neck, and then the rest of his life, he's been living with tremendous pain, sometimes so bad that he'd have to get outside of his RV and run around his RV screaming at night, just trying to escape the pain. He's traveled around the country like that. He's, he's an expert on the King James Bible. No one can contend with him in a debate. Um, and I made the mistake of coming into church one night. He said, hey, how you doing? How you doing, Brother Westover? And I said, I'm good. I got a big headache. almost didn't come to church tonight. I was like, oh, I can't believe I just said that. And he said, oh, you had a headache, huh? Almost kept you from coming to church, huh? And uh, he was not amused. And that night he he wasn't feeling particularly well. And so don't do that. Don't complain. Um, When we have guests, we do not want to take them out to the cheapest junk food in town for a bite to eat to save a few dollars. We don't want to do that. People are on the road, missionaries on the road, and church after church after church takes them out to Taco Bell or McDonald's or whatever. You know, so we want to, when they're here, we want to be the exception to the rule. Uh, do not talk bad about his kids or his wife to others. Don't do it. If I find out, I'm probably going to rebuke you, okay? Pastors do rebuke. You've never seen me do it, but I will. Don't talk bad about a guy's wife or their kids. Come on. They're only here for a few hours or a couple of days, you can live with it. You can deal with it. You might be catching them on the worst weekend of the year or whatever. And then don't tell off-collar jokes. I've heard people use language and tell dirty jokes. I mean, uh, they're not clean. Uh, They're not real bad, but they're not clean. And do it in church and do it with visiting people. And I thought, why on earth would you be doing that? Uh, It's not honoring to the Lord at all. And uh, we just want to be hospitable. Think about if you were living on the road all year long, living on the road with your family, going back to your house every once in a while for breaks, and then you get out of your car, you've just finished a six-hour drive with three kids in the car or in the truck uh, or in the van, and you get out and you're at the church, what would you like? How would you like to be treated at that, at that point? You want to be helped. 
So I'm going to give you some some real uh, concrete ideas on how to do that tonight and things that I used to do. So now here on hospitality, the root words, like I said, means love and strangers. Let's look at Romans 12 real quick. Romans 12. So you're getting some training tonight, and this is the kind of hospitality ministry I want in this church. And you're getting leadership tonight from a pastor who's trying to organize something. And what I want is I want... I don't really necessarily want to have to do it myself as a pastor um, when they come in because sometimes I'm talking to somebody else, I'm counseling, uh, sometimes I'm just greeting visitors, and really this is a church ministry. Gaius, uh, maybe he was a pastor, we don't know, but um, anybody can do this. And sometimes it's, it's uh, as things get really get moving, it's just the pastor's not always available. Maybe I'm in my office praying before the service or what have you. So Romans chapter 12, verse 10. It's easy. Anybody can do it, but it takes a person who really loves people and somebody who's good at making small talk and just friendly. So uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 says here, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. So what's that mean? What do, you, what do you think that means, guys? Caleb, what do you think it means, in honor, preferring one another? What do you think it means to prefer one another? Wanting to be with them. Wanting to be with them? Yeah, that's a good... I, that wasn't like the first thing that came to my mind, but that's good. Wanting them to be there and wanting to be with them. Okay, preferring one another. Yeah, there you go. Maybe wanting to be with them more than just, I just want to be left alone right now. So that's kind of what you're getting at, right? That's good. Preferring one another, and that is honoring. Okay, now, verse 11, not slothful in business. So the church is God's business. We want to be uh, diligent, hard workers at it. Fervent in spirit, so no e-ors. Serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, Look at that. Distributing to the necessity of the saints. Not strangers out in the lost world. There's a time for that too. But distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. So in verse 13, distributing literally means a mutual sharing. So you're sharing things together of the the goods that you have. Or sharing services. Sharing food. Sharing uh, monies for uh, for a place to stay. In New Testament times, travel was dangerous. The inns were evil. They were scarce and they were expensive, says the KJV Study Bible. And so, rather than Christian people staying in these inns, believers would open up their homes. So, if there was a traveling Christian, they would stay in their homes, and believers would kind of go above and beyond. And go the second mile and even open up their homes to strangers. And that's why Paul said, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. Because you don't know, you might have an angel unawares, you know. And so there is that love for strangers, hospitality. But it was dangerous to do that expensive. And um, pastors are supposed to be the role models of this virtue. 1 Timothy 3.2 the bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, and then given to hospitality. 
That's what the pastor is supposed to be. So hospitality, it's not as much about things as it is about people. Let me say that again. Hospitality is not as much about things as it is about people. So it's not about the best meal or the most comfortable lodging. It should just be clean and tidy, a place that you would want to stay. It's not about necessarily leaving this big fancy gift basket or giving them some kind of a sparkly, frilly journal or something like that. It's not about things. It's not about everything just looking just so-so, although we want the place to look nice. It's not about that. It's about people. It's about taking care of people. It's about being good with people, loving people, um, caring about being with them, preferring to be with them rather than to be alone. So to be hospitable, you have to love people. So how should we take care of traveling preachers? All right. Number one, this is literally how I do it and how I would like it to be done here. So if we have a volunteer, I'll tell you exactly how to do it because I know how to handle traveling preachers when they come in. Number one, greet them at the door. So I'm going to act like I'm Chuck. Okay. Hi, I'm Chuck. Welcome to our church. And then you pause for a response. I put that in there for the boys because they don't have the first clue about how to have a conversation with somebody. You say, hi, my name is Jace. And then you just stand there and wait. And then they'll say, oh, my name is, you know, we're the Mooberry family. My name's Matthew. And so after they introduce themselves, my name's Matt, and making some small talk, you'd you'd think that that's a small thing, but it's not. The first impression, it it says they were prepared for us to get here. They care about us. They're practicing hospitality. There's somebody who is actually there, and uh, it wasn't the guy passing out the bulletins. It was somebody else, and it wasn't the pastor. It was somebody else. This church has got it together. And so you you say, uh, next thing after greeting them at the door, number two, show them around. If you've got a family with kids, one of them wants to know where the bathroom is, right? So you just say to them, <clears throat> the bathrooms are right through there. That's all you have to do about that. Uh, if they've got little ones, you say, we've got a changing station in there. And then you say, and in here, uh, this is our auditorium. Let me show you around. And then say, right here, you can sit right here. The front two rows on the left side are reserved for you and for your family. You, you want to do that. You want to do that. I just went into a church recently with my guitar. So I got my guitar on my back, got my Bible. Uh, My wife and I are walking in. We have our things. And I walk into the church, and uh, I I was invited to come there. Drove five hours to come there. Did it for the Lord. But I I come in, and no one is there to say, okay, you can sit here. You can put your guitar there. Uh, do you need anything? Do you need mics? Do you need anything like it? Nobody was there to do any of that. So I was just kind of walking around. And I was like, well, okay, I guess I'll put my guitar up here and sit up here. And, um, and it, it wasn't a big deal. I can figure it out. But it's so much better when you have somebody uh, to, to be hospitable and say, please sit up here because they're always worried that you're going to sit in somebody else's seat or something like that. And then have two reserved and then, because they can put all their things, their projector, their guitars, whatever, up here, and they can sit right here. And then after that's done, if they have children under four, say, let me show you the nursery. Okay? And then you take them in there, and you show them the nursery. 
ladies, I'm trying to figure out how much I can get away with here. My, Judy, my, my sister Judy said, when you ask them, say, if you would like to volunteer. <laughs> we, listen, ladies, when, when we have a family come in with kids, okay, and you see they have little ones four and under, four and under goes in the nursery. Uh, if they're five and up, they, they stay out here um, for like an evening service, you know. If you see that, you see a need. You know there's a baby. You know they're going to need to go in the nursery. Uh, you should at least approach the woman and say, are you going to need a nursery? And I don't want my wife to do it. Not there. Okay? I want another lady to do it. You say, why? Because I want my wife to talk to that lady and minister to her. Guys, traveling evangelists, missionaries, their wives and their families are ignored in churches. You don't think they are, but they are. I've been to missions training conferences. Okay, they're ignored. They're not taken care of. It's like we're just deciding to do church our way, which is selfish and man-centered. Instead of doing church God's way, because God tells us in the Bible what to do. So we want to do God's... We want to handle God's church, God's way, and the word of God. And so we need Beth to be able to talk to the woman and, and fellowship with her, minister to her. So somebody else do the nursery is what I'm trying to say, ladies. So in honor, preferring one another. Um, and then, number three, see to the needs of the visiting preacher. So what I would normally do is I would say to the visiting preacher, he's up here, he's got his family here, we're making small talk. And then I'll say... Do you have a display? You know how they normally have something they want to put on a table, some kind of a display, books, something like that. Um, I would say, uh, I got a table. I got a little table. I can put it out in the lobby. Yeah, sure, that'd be great. Then I don't have to get mine out of the car. Okay, let me go do that for you. And then I go get the table. I set it up. That way, because after he sits his things down, the first, things he, first thing he's going to want to do is go to the lobby and put out his materials. Then he's going to want to come back and set up the projector. Caleb, that's where you come in. You're next. So then you say, now you said display. That's the thing out front there. Then you say, do you have a a presentation? A presentation. Uh, You say, what's that? Video or a PowerPoint? And if he says, yeah, I've got a video or I have a thumb drive or something like that, then you say, hold on a minute. Let me get Caleb. He takes care of that. He's our audio guy. He's our sound or audio video guy. And then you go get Caleb and then bring him to the person. So this is hospitality, guys. This is people. You see how it's people and not things? All right. That's the needs of the preacher. Then what I would always do at that time is I would go away to give him a second to breathe. And then I would come back with a couple of bottles of water. A water for the preacher, a water for the preacher's wife. Don't, whatever you do, whatever we do, whatever we do. Don't forget this. When a preacher comes through that door, his wife comes through with him, and a lot of times the wife is ignored. I've seen preachers walk up, visit, uh, greet a visiting evangelist, shake his hand, talk to him, and act like that woman's not even standing there. I've seen it happen. It's terrible that, that, that that's the case, but it does. We want to greet her, make her feel welcome. We also want to bring her anything we bring to her husband. We want to bring to her um, 
and care for her. And just a bottle of water might be a big deal. I don't know. The last couple that we had here, that lady needed a bottle of water like nobody's business. And somebody got it for her. I don't know who that was. Yeah. You, you get nervous when you come into situations like this. You get dry mouth and all that. So number four, last one, meals and lodging. Let me explain the difference between the way that I care for a visiting missionary. So this is how we do things as a church. And the way that I'll care for a preacher that's called to conduct a revival meeting, like the one we'll have this, this month. So if we have a visiting missionary like Tim Lapish this Sunday morning, this is what the expense will be for the church. Um, Jerry Myers coming on the 19th. So with a missionary, only one meal uh, will be, it would be nice at a church member's house. That would cut down on the cost of the church. Um, with Tim Lapish, we'll go out to eat afterwards, after Sunday, and then he's got to go to another church. So we'll go out to eat at a restaurant. But it would be great to do it at a member's house. Um, if a missionary comes on Sunday night, like uh, Jerry Myers and his wife, then most of the time Beth and I go out to McClure's afterwards and we turn in that receipt. And the church covers that. We don't we don't uh, normally eat at our house, but they'll be here on Saturday. So on Saturday, we'll have a meal at our house. Sunday, we'll eat at McClure's. With an evangelist, it's different. Um, one meal out at a restaurant during the time that they're here. Four days, there'll be one meal out at a restaurant. It'll be a nice meal. It won't be shoddy. It'll be a nice one. And then one meal per day at my house. We won't go to members' houses with a visiting evangelist. There's a reason for that. Uh, for one thing, the preacher and the evangelist need to be together. And it's a spiritual thing, and it's an encouragement thing. The preacher's wife, the evangelist's wife, and they need to be together. And then that's about all that a, that a pastor and evangelist need to be together per day is for one meal and some time talking afterwards. Other than that, the evangelist needs to be alone with God. And his wife and the kids need time to rest and so on and so forth. So we don't have members, we don't have meals at members' houses with evangelists. Lodging will be covered for an evangelist. We'll pay for a hotel in Gallipolis. So that, that will be an expense, roughly $100 a night, $130 a night for our church to do that. And at the close of the meeting, there will be a generous off offering collected so the last night of the meeting we'll take up an offering we'll be letting people know throughout the course of the meeting that you want to bring money and you want to purposefully give and give generously not just to pay for their travel to and from the church this is their living this is this is how they live so we want to give an offering of somewhere around a thousand dollars at the minimum for the for a week of a revival meeting for a four Four-night revival meeting. So we want to give $1,000 minimum. So if it's below that, the church will help out with that. That's how you take care of preachers. Okay? Um, oftentimes, the small churches, missionary evangelists will tell you this, as well as regular local church evangelists, smaller churches are always the most generous. And it's what I experienced, too, when Beth and I were out on the road. So with this church... I don't foresee, foresee there being any problem in generosity, but if there is, then we'll make it up out of our general fund for that last final offering. Okay, it's important that we allow visitor pre, visiting preachers plenty of time um, to be alone, so I'm not out playing golf with them or anything like that. 
if we do anything together, it's evangelistic. So it might be visiting or it might be track passing or something like that. And a snack basket is good if you want to do it. It's a nice touch, but really it's not that important. Gifts are not important. Uh, the one thing that maybe is important is a little note in their room to say, we're so glad that you're here, something personal like that. Something to encourage the pastor's wife maybe would be good, or the evangelist's wife. And then if we did gifts for their children, if they had children, something like that would be nice. Um, a lot of missionary kids, I'm just going to tell you this, a lot of missionary kids don't want anything to do with serving God when they're done, when they grow up, because they've been so mistreated by churches and so neglected and forgotten that they've had a hard life and they, they don't want anything to do with it afterwards, um, which is just sad, guys. It's sad. That's just what's happening with independent Baptists. That's all I'm talking about. That's sad because they just feel like, I don't know. Like the people in the world are better at being good people than the people in churches are. You know, so let me ask you a question. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? Yes, Jonathan. Huh? Yeah, you're right. You're right. In a way, Jesus brought the child in front of his disciples and he said, You've got to be converted and become like a little child. Why did he say that? If I had Lucas out here, I could say, Lucas, I could say, go back here and get me that candy jar. He'd go back and get that candy jar. I could say, Lucas, go out there and uh, get me a pen off the table out there. He'd go get that pen. Any one of you could do this. He would do it for any one of you. If I said, Lucas, uh, go into the restroom and get me, a, get me a, uh, some toilet paper. He'd go do it. He'd just keep doing it. You know why? Because kids just want to be helpful. If you give them a little job to do, they're, hey, man, an adult just gave me something to do. Am I not, am I not right here? Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things Jesus was talking about with the little child. If God just says, hey, would you do this? Or if your pastor says, I need this for the church, should just be like, yeah, all right. I'll volunteer. Me first, you know. Um, But who's greatest? Jesus said in Mark 10, he called his disciples to him. He said to them, you know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles. These are pagan rulers. Exercise lordship over them and their great ones exercise authority upon them. That's not what I'm doing here tonight. Jesus said, don't do that. I'm not trying to browbeat anybody, make anybody feel guilty or shame anybody. I'm saying be submissive to the Holy Spirit and serve one another. But Jesus said, don't do that. not going to exercise lordship. But, Jesus said, so it shall not be among you. You, whosoever will be great among you, shall be your minister, servant. Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest, be a servant. Whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. Everybody wants to be a chief, right? Not enough Indians. Jesus said, if you want to be the chief, be an Indian. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So if you want to be the greatest in Jesus' kingdom, be the greatest servant in this church. Be the greatest servant. And... uh, 
and in this way, this passage, let's just finish there and we'll, we'll, we'll stop. He's talking about serving, traveling ministers. And look what John said to, to Gaius as we finish. He said, um, you've done it faithfully, whatever you've done. And he said, they have borne witness in verse 6. So these traveling preachers told John about it. You ought to meet this guy at this church. He was so hospitable. And they said he was so charitable. And, he, and, they, and they bore witness before the church. They stood up in the church meeting and said, listen, testimony, praise time. I want to tell you about this guy at this church. When we pass through this area, he is so charitable. He is so good at taking care of people. He loves people. He didn't even know me. And I just said, God's called me to do this. I'm passing through your town. I'm going up into this other village, and God's told me to start a church there. So I'm going to stay here for a little while. We'll do a little bit of evangelism, but then I'm moving up there, and I'm going to start working that area and preaching the gospel, and God wants me to plant a church there. And Gaius says, while you're here, me and you are going to have some fun. And he provided companionship, place to stay, food, whatever he needed for travel, and said, I'm just going to help you along your way. Just like I'm helping Jesus. You know, that's what was going on there. So that's what I want to do in this church. And uh, I want to do a good job of it, which means that it's going to cost some money in the budget. But you all want some visiting preachers, and we're going to have them this year. So we've got a few things lined up. And when they, when they come, I want, to, I want to take good care of them. But I want some volunteers. Not You don't have to raise your hand right now, but I just want you to come up to me and say, uh, Brother John, I want to be that guy that you're talking about that... That I'm here, I'm posted at the door waiting for them to get here, and I'm going to make them feel welcome, do all that stuff you said. And then I'd like to have some ladies that just silently in your heart before the Lord just say, Lord, if I see a woman come in, whether she's visiting church or whether she's a missionary's wife, uh, whether she's an evangelist's wife, if I see a mother come in and she's got a small child, I want to be that lady who walks up to that woman and, and says, I, you know, we, the nursery's right over here. And uh, shows her that. Make sure it's all ready, you know. Clean it up. There shouldn't be raisins on the floor like there are right now. Make sure it's ready so it doesn't look like I know a, mo- a mouse is going to come out of the corner. It's going to walk up my leg.